Good morning, everyone. Now, usually people have hidden agendas, me not so much. I'd like everybody to be exposed to the teachings of Ernest Holmes. And so my plan over the last uh, six years has been that we're going to cover all of his material. And you know what? We're getting close. I think later on this year, we're going to get there. Uh, This month, though, you know, one of the things we do uh, every year is we do the introduction to this big, thick book, and then we pretend the rest of it kind of doesn't exist. And so I thought, you know, leading up to Easter, it would be very interesting. In the back of the book, Ernest Holmes uh, really introduces a course in metaphysics and talking about the metaphysics of the Bible. And I thought, well, what a fun way to kind of slide into Easter and the idea of renewal and rebirth uh, with some of his takes on how we interpret things metaphysically. So uh, what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks is uh, is about three quarters of the way through the Science of Mind textbook, and I think we're going to have some fun with it. So where do we start out? You know, this whole section, he starts it out in a very interesting place. He starts it out with a discussion of metaphysics. And, uh, and, and to that end, he uses a, a, a quote from Jesus from Matthew 4.4. But let me start out this whole section just the way Ernest Holmes does. He says, in this book, no attempt is made to discuss all of the sayings of Jesus. He lived in a world of spiritual realization beyond what most people have any understanding. But in the record of his sayings, there is much which bears witness to our own beliefs. Jesus discerned spiritual truth. And then he launches into Matthew 4.4. He says, what did Jesus teach? It is written that we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Who eats of bread alone will continually hunger. And to the physical benefits of the human board must be added the spiritual strength of divine wisdom. And so what I love about this is it's really opening up the avenue, opening up the discussion for us to have today of metaphysics, that which is beyond the physical. And it is our own ability, of course, to choose how we interpret the world around us. And the physical interpretation is what we perceive literally from our senses, of course. So, um, you know, the words that come into our ears, the, the sights that we see, the touch and taste of the things around us, this would be the physical or literal interpretation of the world around us. But is it even that? Are we not even fooled by our senses? Anyone in this room who's had brothers and sisters, have you ever compared notes about things that happened when you were a kid? You were both there. You both saw it. You both heard it, right? Very different interpretations, though. It makes you wonder, was I in the same room at the same time? Did my mom really do that? Did my brother really do that? Is that what really happened? The idea that our senses are infallible, of course, right off the top just isn't the case. Much of what comes in to our mind through our ears, through our eyes, through our touch and taste and other senses, we filter it heavily. We tend to see those things that will support what we already believe. We, we tend to hear the things that would support our own belief system. How do we get away from this? If indeed our objective here is to get the whole story, not just the bread alone, but, but all of the message of life, all of the message of, of goodness and, uh, and joy and peace, how can we go about that? 
Well, I think one place to start is really just to acknowledge that we have outer senses and we also have inner senses. I think there's a part of us, and you might think of it as your heart, you might think of it as your emotional body or your spiritual body, but I think that all of us have the capability of hearing beyond the mere words. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes when we listen to someone, the words have one message, and doesn't our heart get a completely different message? Doesn't our heart tend to know what has gone on before those words? And we have a sense of what was intended by them, or we we have a sense of what may have led the speaker up to proclaim that or to say that. We have ways within us to know more than just what our senses bring. Likewise, with sight, isn't there an an inner sight that we have? Some people call it intuition. Some people um, call it just a sense about them or a gut feeling. But I think all of us even have vision beyond what's happening in the world around us to really have a deeper sense of what's true and what's good. I want to capitalize on that. I want to move us forward in that a little bit today. And one place to start is talking about um, our outer senses. Here I have a a little joke about someone uh, having some issues with what they're catching on to in the world. So a gentleman had serious hearing problems for a number of years. He went to the doctor, and the doctor was able to have him fitted with a new kind of hearing aid. It allowed him to actually, for the first time here, quite well. The gentleman back to the, went back to the doctor after a month for just a little bit of fine-tuning, and the doctor said, you know, your hearing is close to 100%. Your family must be really pleased that you can hear again. Oh, said the gentleman, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to the conversations. They're amazing. <laughs> How much do we really hear? How important is our outer senses versus what is going on in our interior world? One of the ways to start with metaphysics is to actually do what we do in foundations class. So for those of you who've been in foundations classes, might seem a little familiar. Right here in the room, we have a couple examples of the science of mind, quote, teaching symbol. And you'll, you'll notice in the world religions here, the center one is our science of mind teaching symbol. And even on the banner in the back room there is our science of mind teaching symbol. If you've ever wondered what that was, it is one of the ways that we remind ourselves how things really come about in the world. And so the bottom part of the chart, you know, you'll see it's kind of in three sections. The bottom part of the teaching symbol represents all of the stuff of the world. It represents the physical objects, the people, the places, the, the happenings, the, the objects, all the stuff of life is represented in the bottom half of the chart. The top half of the chart, on the other hand, is represented by all of the invisible things in life, our ideas, our, our plans, our intentions, our uh, our beliefs, our thought patterns, that's on the top side of the chart. And the teaching symbol, the V, simply says that our thoughts, our ideas, our beliefs funnel into the creation of our physical lives. And so when Nancy on Sunday or Reverend Sharon sometimes says, change your thinking, 
change your life, the illustration of that is the teaching symbol. As we change what goes on the top of that symbol, it funnels into our picture of reality. It's that law of attraction at work that we've heard about. It is changing our thinking, changing that top part of the symbol, makes all the difference in the physical world around us. So that's metaphysics. And how can we use that chart? All you have to really know what's going on metaphysically is to look around you. Because we created our lives. And so if we look around us and we see a mess, I can just turn that chart on its head and I'll tell you there's got to be some things in my thinking, in my ways of being, in the choices I make, in my intentions that are likewise a mess. If you look around your life and you see a relationship gone haywire or if you see something not to your liking, I will tell you right now there was a cause for that. It just didn't randomly happen. There are thoughts and beliefs. There are ideas and intentions. There are thought patterns that caused, that continue to cause, what's going on in our lives. Now, this isn't with the idea of somehow punishing ourselves, like, oh my God, look at the mess I got myself into. I mean, now and then I go there. But you know what? When I go there, I add a little phrase at the end of it. I say, how powerful was I? (laughs) Because what I know is that I can use that same creativity, I can use that same power, I can use that same process of funneling the invisible thoughts and beliefs that I have into the visible, I can use that for good, as they say, in my own life, simply by changing, simply by orchestrating and paying attention to what's going on up here, I can get a handle on what's going out here. I can change my thoughts, I can make a difference in my own life, I can make a difference in the world. Because if thoughts become things, I know that the things in my life started out as a thought, as a belief, as an intention, as a set of choices. I can change those, and I will get different results. Now, I have been accused of oversimplifying. (laughs) And so what I do know is this isn't as easy as flipping a switch. It can be. I mean, there's no reason it couldn't be, right? Logically, if we change our thinking, the results, our lives, will change. But maybe there's the trick to it, or maybe there's the part that's a little more difficult than what it sounds like. Because how easy is it really to change our way of thinking? You know, I've thought the things that I've thought, in many cases, for a really long time. The things that I believe most closely, most intimately, most uh, as defining of me, have been in the formation in my, my own consciousness and subconsciousness for many, many years. And so even though, you know, Nancy can summarize it on the platform in two sentences, just change your thinking and change your life, what I do know is we're going to have to work. There's going to be some effort there. It isn't just flipping the light switch. I mean, it is, but maybe it's the inertia of that light switch. Do you know what I mean? It's like the light switch is so used to being on one position, whether it be positive or negative, whether it be full of life and joy, or whether it be full of apprehension and worry. Whatever that setting is that I'm used to, it's what I'm used to. So I wanted to give you a tip today. Have any of you ever participated in one of those walkathons or one of those benefits where you were given a, one of the wristbands? 
Get your wristband out of mothballs, and we're going to put it to some use. Because I think they're a really handy way to change your thinking. Now, let's say that maybe what's going on in your mind right now is a little bit of fear about what's going on in the world. Let's say that there's some anxiety and a little bit of fear about what's going on in government or in your neighborhood or in your life, and you're noticing, oh my gosh, if my thoughts are filled with fear... If there's a lot of anxiety in my emotional body, is that not maybe what I'm going to attract in the world? And my answer would be, yeah. So let's use an armband for something like that. And every time you begin entertaining those thoughts of anxiety or fear, just switch arms with it and just notice that you made a choice to stop thinking about something that was anxiety-producing or something fearful. And instead, you're going to choose what you'd rather think about instead. So if what you want to experience is joy and happiness, when you notice you've uh, gone over to the dark side, sort of, um, you can think of a memory, perhaps, that was particularly joyous and where you felt particularly loved. Or, or maybe you can think of something even better yet that's going on in your life right now that has that experience of joy or love for you. Something poignant, something that you can sink your emotions into. Because as we change those thoughts, even if, it, even if it takes something crazy like an armband as a little bit of a reminder, with that reminder a few times and a few times more, you really will begin shifting the overall pattern in it. And there will come a day when you can just leave the armband back in the, you know, the jewelry box or the, the, the drawer, wherever it came from, because you will have made a lasting change in you. We can start it off one thought at a time if necessary. We can think about it as just, uh, you know, I'm just, just for today, I'm going to wear, I know it's inconvenient, just for today, I'm going to watch what I'm thinking. And when I notice myself falling into a pattern that's unhealthy, and, and an unhealthy thinking pattern would be any time that you are imagining that you're unlovable or unworthy, any time that you imagine that the universe is unkind or, or dangerous, any time that you think that your life is full of constraints or, or pain or difficulty, any of the things that would tend to say life is tough, or life is negative, those are the kind of patterns we want to switch around. Now, it may be out in the real world, right? Because we're still observing with our eyes and our ears and our, and our other senses. It may be the appearance that some of those things still exist, right? They're on the bottom part of that teaching symbol. What I know, though, if we keep our thoughts on the bottom part of that teaching symbol, we're never going to change. Instead, despite what maybe our eyes are telling us, despite what, like, the newspapers might tell us, we're going to start having thoughts of love. We're going to have start having thoughts of joy. We're going to have start having the, the thoughts of life being what we want it to be. We're going to start having a life that's filled with abundance and joy and, and people that open our hearts and, uh, and make us smile. And when we do that, we're feeding right into that process that's going to create a life like that. It may take a little time for, for the outwardness to catch up to where our minds are going, but that's okay, isn't it? 
I think we, if nothing else, we're on this planet, we've all learned a little patience. We all, all learned that sometimes flipping that switch is a little more than just flipping the switch. And that's okay. I also wanted to go back to that initial Bible quote. Because although um, Holmes paraphrased it nicely, there's a little bit more to the beginning of it that he left out. And I want to back up uh, just one verse. Here's the actual quote from the Bible. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Well, now we already know that Jesus could literally have done that, right? We know that he took a loaf of bread and a few fish and fed the multitudes. What is this whole tempting bit? And why are we, why is Jesus being asked to turn stones into bread? The idea of the tempter here isn't that there's some outward temptation. There's, there's no devil other than what lives in our own hearts from time to time. The temptation is our temptation. It is so much easier to leave things on the surface. The temptation, I think, is always, oh my gosh, something happened. I'm just going to do my reaction to it. I'm not going to delve into it. I'm not going to try to find the invisible causes behind it. I'm not going to check out the motivations of my friend that said something mean to me. I'm not going to try to imagine what caused the mess I'm in. I'm just going to be into a physical reaction to it. And I think that is a temptation to all of us because you don't have to do anything. Let us avoid this temptation. Good relationships are always worth inquiry as to motivations and what was really going on. If someone says something to you that seems hurtful, let's ask them about it. Oh my gosh, I feel really hurt by that. You know, let's talk about this. Did you mean to hurt me? What's, you know, what's going on here? If something rotten happens in your life, let's check out what might have caused it. Let's not go with the temptation of just being in reaction. Let us be proactive. Let us figure out what is behind the events, the, the thought patterns, the ideas, the intentions of our, both ourselves and other people. Let's find out what's going on behind how it shows up. We can use simple inquiry for the, the people that we know and care about. You know, what, what did you mean by that? What's going on here? What's your motivation? For ourselves, we can look into our own hearts and say, oh my gosh, why did I say that? Why did I, why did I show up that way? That's not like me, or, or is it? Maybe I need to check into this. For the events that happen to our life, we can remember the metaphysical chart and know that, that everything on the physical planet tends to be mirrored first in our own thinking. And if we're not liking the way the world is, the place to start is right here. So it may not be the easy way out. It may be more difficult to find a metaphysical interpretation of our lives but I want to say it's worth giving up that temptation. It's, it's worth the time that we're going to spend 
Because it makes all the difference in our lives. It makes all the difference in the world. When each one of us raises ourselves up through metaphysical inquiry, through finding out what's really going on, finding out what we can do to change our environment by changing our thought patterns, by changing the ways that we have been for so very long, when we can make a change in us, when we make a difference in our own lives, everyone benefits. The entire planet is lifted up one person at a time as we make these changes in ourselves. And I got to tell you, nearly uh, not very many days in a row go by before someone will say, you know, Larry, I don't know about this whole organized religion thing, but I want what you have. I would like to be able to see the world the way you see the world. And this is the gift. You don't need to bring people to church. You don't need to talk about any great philosophy, although that can be fun, and sometimes I I walk that way with people. But just living in your own powerful truth, knowing that you, with God, are co-creating your universe based on the thoughts and the thought patterns and the beliefs that you have in your own mind, and the difference that that makes in the world will have people chasing after you. People will want to know what this power is, how, how this change has come about, how, how you manage to always see the world as though it were based in, in joy and love and peace and, and, and sweetness. And you know what? The answer is it is if we allow it to be, if we invite it to be. Each one of us can live that life. Each one of us can be the inspiration for others. Each one of us can make a difference in the world. I'm going to close today with just a tiny bit of homework, which hopefully we'll find uh, interesting, if not fun. And, uh, and then we'll close with a, a, a quote from, uh, from this book and how it ends this section. So first of all, the homework. I would like you, if you're willing, to really listen to other people when they're speaking and do the extra step of imagining or finding out or in your own mind looking at what you think the intentions behind the words are. And of course, if it's someone that that you know, someone that you care about, even ask them. Find out if what they're saying is really what they're meaning. Find out what their intentions are behind the words. Get that metaphysical, that, that thought behind the word meaning for some people in your life that you care about. Second part of the homework is when speaking yourself, when you're speaking, ask what is your intention or belief behind those words. And whether, it's, uh, uh, whether you're saying something loving and sweet or whether you're saying something kind of off the cuff and maybe it doesn't come out the way you want it to, Take a look at what your intentions were. Why did you say that? So that's your homework for this week. I think you're going to have some fun with it. I think if nothing else, it will prove to you that what comes out uh, out in the world has another world of meaning, another world of intention, another world of thought behind it. And, and that's the main point here. So let me close today with a, a prayer, but first a, a final quote. This is how Ernest Holmes uh, uh, ends this segment. And uh, he moves forward just a little bit to Matthew 5, 6. He says, They who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. 
Is there anyone who does not have a soul's hunger? Does not the spirit of man thirst after knowledge and understanding, yearn for truth and reality, even as blind men yearn for light? And his hunger, our hunger, can only be satisfied with spiritual food, even as manna from heaven. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe that is this thing called life. What I know about life is that it's good. That despite some days when my senses tell me that life is less than that, I don't buy it. Life is good. I recognize this in the, the power and the presence of God in all things. I know that God is good and it means me and it means every person in this room. Each person here has the power, the full presence of God in their lives, in their affairs, in their hearts, in their ability to see that more positive side of life and bring about more good. Each person here I know has a, a little bit more learning around how the metaphysics of things works that we can look beyond the physical to see a greater truth, to see more power, to see more love, to see more life, and a willingness maybe to check that out, a willingness to understand more of the truth, the spiritual truth of our lives. And I'm simply grateful for this. I'm grateful for God showing up as the, the people in this room and beyond grateful for life. I just let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much. Thank you.